welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Nittany Blues Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, joined as always by my co-host and wingman, Vince, and it is Whiteout Week. And not only is it Whiteout Week, we've got a matchup against Iowa. And similar to last week, there's a bit of history here. Iowa got the better of Penn State last time that they met in a matchup of two top four teams. Bit of contentiousness going on there. Got some Iowa fans booing Penn State injured players. Uh, You've got some coaches mocking said players. You've got Kirk Ferentz doubling down in support of the behavior after the game. So there's a bit of there's a bit of history here, a little bit of beef. So, you know, as if we needed another reason to get all excited for a night game whiteout, the greatest atmosphere in college football. We also got this history here to lean in on, uh, provide a little bit of bulletin board material. So, Vince, I don't know about you, man, but I just can't wait for this one. Like this is this is like Penn State football Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, you know, again, it could have just been another big night game whiteout like versus Minnesota. But when you have your fans and, and coaching staff criticizing injured players like PJ Mustafer, who tore his Achilles, that makes it what? It makes it personal. It is getting personal. So we need Beaver Stadium. Bring it. This game is personal. Uh, be loud like you never have before. Impose your will on you know the Iowa Hawkeyes because you know karma is a thing that goes around and comes around so you know we need to bring it and uh you know bring it hard to to Iowa love it man you've got me uh feeling like I could run through a a brick wall here impose my will I love it so you know beyond uh kind of the history there this is uh there's still there's still a lot here going on because this is Penn State's uh toughest opponent to date at least on paper it's uh, Penn State's first ranked opponent of the season. Um, another night game in Beaver Stadium, so that's never not a big deal. Uh, the last one, of course, being the season opener against West Virginia. Uh, Penn State hasn't always gotten the better of Iowa. Um, I think you mentioned that uh, you know that the series is actually pretty even with Penn State holding a slight lead. So it's not like this is just a, a one-team um, record here. So there, there's a lot. Uh, that you know, Penn State still needs to focus on as it pertains to preparing for Iowa, the team, and less so, um, you know, Iowa, kind of the history, the bad blood, and the memories and stuff like that. Uh, so, hit me with your thoughts on this game. Like, what are you going to be looking for, and uh, what are some things that you're anticipating? Yeah. So, f- for this matchup, uh, you know, really a, one of Penn State's more underrated rivals. Uh, you know, Penn State leads the series seventeen to fourteen. The games always seem to be close uh, coming down to the wire, wh- whether it's Iowa um, making a last second field goal or Juwan Johnson um, making a last second catch in the end zone. It's these things always seem to, these games always seem to be very dramatic for the most part. And um, even though Iowa tends to be the lesser team in terms of talent, um, they have found ways to win in the past against Penn State and they've found ways to do it on a relatively consistent basis. Um, for this year's 
uh, particular matchup. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be juiced. It's going to be heated. Um, you got a lot of players from that were on the team two years ago in, in Kinnick where, you know, fans are booing guys who were tearing their Achilles and, you know, getting injured. Uh, Clifford didn't return to the game. He, I think he fractured a rib. So some really serious injuries and kind of the, the classlessness of, you know, the Iowa fans and, um, you know, it's pretty bad when the coach is also like ripping, um, you know, injured players, uh, just because of the fact that, um, you know, these are your peers. Uh, these are people you, you compete against, um, it, at this level of sport. I, I think it's really important that you respect your peers. Um, so it's just this, this has some bad blood. I mean, it's going to be really juiced, really fun game to watch. Uh, Iowa has a really good defense. Uh, I think what they're going to try and do first and foremost, um, Coach Franklin kind of mentioned this a little bit in his co- press conference today. He mentioned that most teams are going to try to stop uh, Nick and Katron. Uh, Penn State's rushing and pa- attack is definitely the, the strength of the team. You don't want to put too much on you know a young quarterback like Drew Aller's plate. So I think that's the first thing. And um, you know, Coach said that the the way to open up the running game is to uh, beat them deep, just like that first drive of the season when you had uh, Drew and Keandre Lambert-Smith hooking up for a uh, 73-yard touchdown. So um, getting it deep is another thing that Penn State needs to do. Uh, Coach Franklin really emphasized trying to create explosive plays uh, you know, to make the running game a little bit easier. So I think uh, step one for Iowa, stop the run. Step two, I think they're going to try and really – um, limit explosive plays and especially like, you know, deep ones like to Keandre Lambert Smith. So what I think that is going to do is, you know, the area of the field that's open is the middle of the field. Then. So I think you're going to see the tight ends really heavily involved offensively might see the running backs in, in the passing game. I think you might see uh, maybe like uh Caden Saunders in the slot or, um, you know, Trey Wallace and Keandre Lambert Smith making some cuts to the inside and, I expect Penn State to really be attacking the middle of the field and doing some quick passes with the the passing attack and just moving the chains. And I think Drew is able to handle it. Um, he's shown the the poise and maturity, and is really good with his checkdowns and going through his progression. So I, I think he'll do a a good job moving the ball uh, defensively. If I'm Coach Franklin, I'm loading the box. Um, you got a uh, you know stud secondary. Uh, they had I think. Was it four interceptions last week through the air? Yep, four. So four interceptions. I think, you know, with a quarterback who's kind of turnover prone and, you know, not a ton of weapons on the outside, I, I think you really need to take advantage of that and you can leave your corners on islands a little bit. And um, we really need to get better at getting off the field, uh, forcing some three and outs. Um, so I think we load the box, stop the run force them three and outs. Um, I'd really like to see them get off to a hot start and really force Iowa to throw, because if you force Iowa to throw, it's going to be a long day for them. So yeah, um, that's how I hope the game plays out. That's the strategy I I would use if I was coach Franklin. Uh, What are your thoughts on the strategy that Penn state should use in this game and how you think it's going to play out? Well, I'm kind of in the exact same boat as you. I think that the ideal scenario is to sell out to stop the run because uh, like you said, Iowa's not been shown to be super proficient at passing the ball. So try to get them into third and long situations 
And that's when you can start to get really creative with uh, some of these blitz packages, like some exotic blitz packages. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Uh, And that's like when you can start pulling in things like some safety blitzes. Like they love to bring in uh, like Jalen Reed and Kevin Wilson Jr. in on on those blitz packages. Like that's where Penn State is going to be able to dictate things defensively. So, you know, this is going to be a real challenge for them, though, I think, to kind of buck the trend a little bit of what we've seen so far through the season in not being the best at defending the run right now. So I think this is a bit of, it's, you know, kind of like a challenge week for the defense in that regard. Uh, obviously they, they just got to like be heads up, like with some of those interception opportunities come their way, because I mean, like obviously the corners did a really great job to bring all those down, but like some of them, it was just basically, they had to have a pulse and look in the direction of the ball and they were coming down with it because those passes were, you know, just kind of off base so much. Um, I think offensively, uh, this is, this is offensive line time. Like, um, they, they gotta had, play better. Yeah. They had, they had some good moments against Illinois. Um, you know, you saw some uncharacteristically low, uh, you know, kind of performance type stuff from guys like Olu, who you're just so used to seeing being rock steady and stuff like that. So I think this has, this has to be a consistently good, but not perfect performance. Like we need to have, um, Drew feeling comfortable in the pocket because he's at his best when he's able to survey the field. Um, even if he has to move outside the pocket, you know that as long as you keep him upright on his feet long enough, his he's going to find, he, yeah, he's going to find, he's going to find someone. So I think that like, that's like the challenge that I would issue like to the offensive line, because this is, um, this is a, an experienced defensive line for Iowa. So, you know, I think this is, uh, just something that, they have to kind of man up and like take it and stuff like that. And I think then this also like is going to come down to a little bit of coaching too, because Illinois or excuse me, I was going to look at how Illinois was able to kind of make drew uncomfortable during the Illinois games at times, because they were just disrupting the rhythm all over the place. It was like, they were either getting pressure to kind of beat the offensive line. Um, and drew was like missing a couple, like granted they weren't egregious to the point, like where they were becoming easy pickoff opportunities. But then at times when the offensive line was able to hold and drew was able to get the ball out, some of them were, some of them were being dropped. So there was just no flow like to the offense. Everything was kind of uh, piecemeal at times. So I think I was going to look to, um, kind of emulate a lot of those things because it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, so I think that, you know, Franklin and crew are going to have to be really mindful and issue kind of a challenge to Nick and Catron and say, Hey, like we need you in pass protection here at times here, because we've got an opportunity over the middle of the field. Like you just said, Vince, uh, but we need drew to stay on his feet for like a millisecond longer. And we need you guys to like help make that happen. So I think that's going to be, uh, really key. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, you had already said it, but you know how you said Iowa's going to be trying to limit our explosive plays. I think that's exactly what Penn State has to do as well. Because I think that defensively, and especially in the secondary, um, if they're just forcing Cade McNamara to beat them with his arm, um, combined with the challenging atmosphere of the whiteout, fans going crazy, like just basically three hours of nonstop screaming, like that's really challenging, like regardless of of who's playing quarterback. So those, that's the type of situation that I think all of those factors combined need to create. Um, and I'm hopeful that it will, um, you know, and I, other notes, um, that I have here, um, I would say that, uh, you know, Penn state also 
just needs to use this whiteout game, this night game as an opportunity to get back in sync with each other offensively. Because, I mean, away game, early kick, uh, 11 o'clock, you know, uh, local time and stuff like that. It's a weird game. But Penn State has already played a night game with each other in a situation that is charged emotionally um, and ton of energy from the fans and the situation and stuff like that. And the offense work really, really well. Like use that mentality to kind of get into a rhythm in this game, understanding that this isn't your first rodeo, even in this season, like you've already played a really important night game in Beaver stadium already. So the situation shouldn't be too big. Being back at home should help things offensively. It should help drew and others feel more comfortable in the situation and maybe feel a bit more confident um, at times that like things are going to click a little bit more. Maybe I'm getting a little too like profound with this, but I just think that being in a, like a similar feeling um, like zone will help uh, kind of ease some of those uh, like lack of rhythm issues that we were seeing last week. Um, and yeah, I just, I think that uh, I was going to look to try and make this like a very physical game. Like that's, that's been their bread and butter against Penn state pretty much every time that they've played them, including the last time that they played them. Um, they're going to be looking to run the bump, uh, run the ball, be very physical, um, and, uh, they're going to be looking to like control the time of possession, um, limit, you know, the opportunities that drew and his big arm have the chance to come in and like make big plays and stuff like that. So I'm um, really looking for the interior of the defensive line to kind of get off those blocks, really stuff up those running lanes and stuff like that. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to do so. And I know I'm talking for a long time here, so I promise I'm going to give the mic back to you in a second, but you know, an interesting little tidbit that. Kirk Ferentz announced earlier earlier today is that Iowa is going to be without uh, some of their top offensive weapons, um, namely uh, their top tight end, Luke Lachey, who is also their top receiver on the year so far um, in terms of catches and yards. Uh, he unfortunately suffered what looked to be a potentially season-ending victory um, in their last game against Western Michigan. Uh, they're also going to be without their two uh, top running backs, at least in terms of the depth chart as it was at the beginning of the season, um, in Caleb Johnson and Jazzy and Patterson. So uh, I was going to be relying very heavily on LaShawn Williams, who, to his credit, had a stellar game against Western Michigan. But Penn State should look at this now as a way to really impose their will here, uh, plug up those things that you know they know has been a gap in their performances all season long. So that's like really what I'm going to be looking forward to. Um, and you know, if I'm just thinking like as a player, as a coach and stuff like that, like, like this is, this is an opportunity to kind of reset the stage a little bit because you stumbled a little bit against Illinois. So now it's time to step back up and show again that you belong in the, in the top 10, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, when they played against Illinois, they definitely did not play like a top 10 team should play, uh, against Illinois, an Illinois caliber opponent, um, I do think you, you're right. Um, uh, playing in a, a night game in Beaver Stadium, being back in your routine, that's so important for athletes. I think that's going to fix a lot of the rhythm issues uh, you saw them have against uh, Illinois. And it, it's, it is a little weird how karma has seemed to circle around and come back to the Hawkeyes uh, in terms <laughs> of health with the players. They boo our injured players. Oh, then, careful, Vince. Careful. <laughs> you know, and then there they are. And it, you know, sucks for those players, but you know, it's karma. You know, I, I just kind of view it that way. Uh, 
coming around and uh you know i'm hoping karma shows up in, in the scorecard at the, the the end of the contest so yeah um yeah yeah i think you put had some good points there cool uh so who are some players that you're going to be looking out for i mean obviously we just named uh some guys who are going to be out for iowa but who's still in their lineup here that uh, you're going to be keeping your eye on um yeah lots of different guys on the defense that are uh, really good coach mentioned a bunch of them this uh defensive defense is stacked and is going to present a, a big challenge for the the penn state offense so i'm looking for uh you know, Drew and company to do what they've been doing, take care of the football. Don't put it in the harm's way. The, the Iowa offense is not that great. So do not gift them short fields uh, where they can you know, score. There were games last year, even where, you know, they would score less than 10 points and it wasn't like super uncommon. So um, take care of the football. Don't give them any short fields. That's the first thing. Um, in terms of running backs, uh, LaShawn Williams uh, averaged 12 yards per carry um, against Western Michigan. Penn State defense is going to be different, but having less running backs and um, less of a rotation, that's going to be more carries for him. So Penn State really has to um, really work as a unit to swarm him and you just try to wear him down over time. You can't let Iowa's offensive line uh, wear, wear you out. So uh, those are a couple players i'm uh, looking to watch cade mcnamara a player that penn state fans are very familiar with in his time at michigan um so he's come in and said he's going to fix this iowa offense uh doesn't seem that way uh against western michigan 9 and 19 103 passing yards two touchdowns two interceptions uh four sacks in the uh you know the corn bowl uh, stats also were not spectacular. 12 for 22, 123 passing yards, one interception and a sack, no touchdowns. So I'm looking for, uh, you know, Penn state to try to take advantage of that. How about you? Who are some players you're, you're looking to watch? Pretty much the same ones that you mentioned. I just have a note here that the players that I'm going to be watching from Iowa, one of them is the entire defensive line. <laughs> because I think that, uh, you know, they're good enough and they've proven themselves enough to, uh, just kind of warrant that they are like a collective unit of just a bunch of badasses. So giving them that spot. And I also had Cade here um, because, you know, he hasn't been perfect uh, so far this season, but he's still a pretty experienced guy who has taken his team to the college football playoff in the past uh, when he was still at Michigan. So, you know, is he like Joe Burrow out there? No, but he's a guy who's been around a lot of college football and, you know, from, other examples that we've seen of guys who have been in similar situations. I mean, you can even look at Sean. It's like if they've been around it long enough and they have enough experience, like they are able to kind of mitigate like certain challenges and play to their strengths, uh, you know, in a way that might may or may not help their team. So only time will tell there, but yeah, on the, on the Penn state side, um, I have drew, you know, as my number one player to watch it's his first whiteout start, um, it's coming off a not so perfect game uh, against Illinois. So this is kind of like a good bounce back opportunity. Uh, see how he responds kind of opportunity. Um, other guys, uh, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, uh, for all the reasons that we already mentioned. Um, I think that this is going to be an intensely physical game. So we need those guys to be super physical. We need the offensive line to be super physical. Um, and we're just going to have to challenge them and be like, listen, like 
you're not going to get any easy yards against this defense. So, you know, run that guy over, run that guy over and run that guy over, you know? <laughs> so, um, and I think that they're going to really need to be involved in like pass protection and stuff like that. So I think this is going to be a, a big game, like where we're going to need them to uh, have a high performance. And uh, for Penn state, I also have the defensive line uh, similar to Iowa where, you know, we just need to really, um, get off those blocks, uh, get better in the interior of the defensive line. We already know that the edges are going to be doing their things, but we need to plug up uh, those running lanes. We need the linebackers to be filling those gaps. You can't just rely on Abdul Carter flying at a million miles an hour to the ball every time that a ball carrier gets past (laughs) the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I'm really going to be looking for that. But uh, on the Penn State side, uh, who do you got? Yeah, for Penn State, uh, probably the players I'm looking most at are – the offensive line for sure. Um, that's going to be uh, really important after they struggled versus the Illini. So I, I'm going to look at them. That's a big matchup versus that Iowa front seven. They have to be really elite in, in the run game and pass protection. Um, other guys I'm, lo- I'm looking to see are the tight ends, uh, Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson. I'm looking for them to have some big games, uh, the running backs, obviously. Um, and like you said, I, them being in pass protection, um, I think that's something that they'll do and they'll do well. Coach Franklin talked about uh, how the team um, really tries to understand the game and what the the game dictates. So when we played West Virginia and the tight end group got one target the whole game, Coach Franklin said those guys didn't say a word in meetings. No complaints. They they understood what the game called for and they did their jobs. And I, I think the whole group has that mentality, do your job. And I think it's going to work out. Uh, so those are some areas I'm looking for. I'm also looking to see if the wide receiver core can get deep. Uh, Illinois did a good job at limiting explosive plays for Penn state. So I'm uh, really hoping that we can get a few shots down the field uh, in addition to attacking the middle of the field. And that'll open up the the running game a little bit and make Nick and Katron's job uh, a little bit easier. So those are guys I'm looking at for Penn State. Uh, Defensive line, front seven, stop the run. Uh, We already know what the secondary is going to do. They're going to be awesome. But that front seven really has to step up. And we've seen the linebackers make plays. Uh, You know, Abdul Carter had an interception. Dominic DeLuca forced a fumble. Kobe King recovered it. I'm looking for that front four to be dominant because if they can really eat up those blocks, our linebackers are going to have a field day uh, tackling the ball carrier. So those are the the biggest matchups I'm looking for. And then, um, you know, also um, Lee, the returner in the special or uh, kick return and punt return, really good player on special teams as well as a defensive back. Gotcha. A lot of different matchups. Cool. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think we hit on a lot of the, you know, things that we're hoping to see that we believe can help Penn state win, you know, two things I'll throw on there as well is, uh, obviously like protecting the football because, uh, the way that you lose to, um, an underdog, uh, as far as the point spread goes is by giving them a short field. So it's exactly like you said. And another thing I'll throw in here is, um, limiting the dumb penalties because, uh, some of those, um, unsportsmanlike conducts were killer against Illinois. Now, granted, like it didn't end up uh, costing Penn State the win or anything like that, but they happened at important times. Um, granted, like whether or not those calls were soft is uh, 
you know, that's in the eye of the beholder, uh, the beholder being the ref in this case. Uh, so, you know, you just got to like control yourself, control the moment and, uh, just not do things to hurt your team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and coach talked about and his presser in terms of penalties, he said the, the ones that really hurt you the, the worst are the pre-snap and the post-snap. Uh, you know, if you're lining up and you fall start, the other guy's not making you do anything. You know, you're just not being disciplined and going on the snap count and going when you're supposed to go. Or, you know, maybe you go into the neutral zone. You get tricked by, you know, the snap count. You you got to be disciplined and, and go when the football goes. So those are, are disciplined things. And then after the play, got to control your emotions. If you're going to, like, celebrate and be pumped up, celebrate with your teammates. You don't need to be go get in the other guy's face. You know, have a good time with your teammates, have fun, play with energy, play with passion, do all those things. But you don't need to be getting in the other guy's face. Um, You know, if if you're playing and a guy beats you and you commit a holding penalty, whatever, you live with it, you move on. But um, yeah, pre-snap, post-snap, got to be more disciplined. Uh, Coach Franklin is good at holding the guys accountable. So I think they will clean those things up, especially in the pre-snap and the post-snap. You even saw it in his uh, presser today. He uh. He uh, said something. It was either Penn State gave up no third quarter points or um, it was Penn State's 17th whiteout. And I think like one of the reporters disagreed with him and he had them. Oh, yeah, it. it was Audrey Snyder. Yeah, called him out on it. <laughs> and he did well, his push ups. Was it the whiteout? The whiteout stat? <laughs> yeah, I forget like what the actual stat of it was, but like the context in which he was talking about the whiteout, it turned out that like the real number was 15, not 17. And that was the reason why he did the pushups. Yeah. So, and uh, you're watching the presser and coach just like goes under the table and does like five pushups in the middle of the presser and comes back up. So, you know, he talks about accountability and um, what better way to do it than uh, leading by example, even if something as silly as, you know, doing five pushups off. He's like, Oh, I should have stat checked that. Like, yeah. So, um, really good to do. I, I think that's just a, a culture thing. They, they keep each other accountable. And I think that's, you know, really translated to, to recent success within the program. That's really important. So, um, yeah, I think those things are going to get, uh, cleaned up. Cool. Uh, so unless you have anything else, uh, for this section, you want to do some over unders? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, all right. So right now the spread is, uh, 14 and a half points in favor of Penn state. Do you think Penn state can cover the spread versus Iowa? So as much as I would like to say that I think they can, um, I think this is going to be a sloppy game. Um, I think that Iowa's is going to kind of force Penn state to play a little bit of like, you know, down in the dirt, ugly football, just uh smash mouth sort of thing. Who's controlling the line. And, I think that it's going to lend itself to being a relatively low scoring affair. So I, for the first time this season, actually don't have Penn State covering the spread. Um, I think that they're going to win this game by 11 points. Um, But yeah, so I don't have them covering. Oh, this is kind of unusual. Uh, Usually I'm the pessimist that doesn't have us, you know, covering the spread or scoring enough points. Uh, I do have them covering the spread in this matchup. And um, one of my cycling buddies I was riding with, he did some sports betting and he bet nine times that Penn state would cover the spread and they covered it nine out of 10 or eight out of nine times. So 
Penn State is pretty good at covering the spread in terms of sport bet, sports betting. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and to be completely honest, I hope that you're right. <laughs> yeah, me Penn, too. Yeah. Penn State, Penn State has been pretty good. Uh, you know, they, they had that beautiful backdoor cover against West Virginia and then they covered it again um, at Illinois. So, yeah, who knows? Um, I think one thing that we uh, forgot to kind of mention up top here is that there is the possibility of rain in the forecast uh, for this game. Now, when that's going to come, um, it's hard to tell at this point. I mean, it's still early in the week, so obviously forecasts can and will change over the course of this week. Uh, But, you know, if it does rain a little bit, like that could add to kind of like the sloppiness of this. Like, you know, we want to see these explosive plays. I mean, I obviously want to see them too. But if it starts to starts to rain, I feel like that makes it a little more difficult, um, you know, so if that if that if we see that more like in the entirety of like the second half, maybe we see most of like the scoring up front and then the, like maybe we see one, maybe two more scores in the in the second half because of the conditions. But we'll see. Uh, but, you know, I do I want to give you your moment to shine here because I do remember you saying that there would be some some rainy weather for this game. Uh when we talked about this game, what was it like six or seven episodes ago? So I'll give you your, uh, like, you know how they do like FaceTime in, uh, around the horn with Tony reality. I'm giving you your FaceTime here, Vince. Yep. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So I, I can celebrate that. I knew Iowa would have, uh, some sort of rain within it. Um, the forecast is, is calling like the day is supposed to be knit nice for tailgating, but they're kind of predicting some, some rain later for the game. And that could you know, impact the game, of course, but you know, wide receivers, they got those like sticky gloves and all that, you know, fancy stuff. So I don't think that's going to completely eliminate the passing game. And they said you might want to have rain gear for the whiteout on AccuWeather, which I love how um, AccuWeather always relates to like Penn State football every Saturday. It's, it's great. I love it. Um, So anyway, I'll, I'll take my, uh, you know, victory lap here. Like around Very the horn, good. but uh, we'll move on to to offense here. Uh, points for Penn State over or under twenty seven and a half. I have the over. Yeah, I think Penn State is good for four touchdowns in this game. So give me the over. Yeah, me too. I think this uh, offense is going to be juiced. Uh, two years ago, they were running like a well oiled machine until Sean Clifford got hurt, and I think they'll they're capable to do it do it again. And and that wasn't a tough road environment in Kinnick. So give give me the Lions at home in Beaver Stadium I, with a more talented roster. Uh, I think you might see some good things from the offense. Sweet. All right. Uh, points against over or under 13 and a half. I have the under. Uh, you know, I think that Penn State, as long as they execute and defend the run, I think it's going to be very tough for Iowa to move the ball. Um, you know, another interesting little tidbit that Franklin also mentioned during the press conference was about the fact that Kalen King was not involved in the interception party against Illinois. Um, even though he's like kind of the prime suspect who would grab a couple of those out of the air. And Franklin very matter of factly said, well, the reason is because they're not throwing to Kalen. Like, yeah. So it's like you this, can't throw an interception if they don't throw the ball to your side of the yeah, field. <laughs> yeah. So this, the secondary is great. It got a boost from the return of Daquan Hardy. Uh, so I like, this matchup of Penn state secondary versus the wide receivers of, um, of Iowa, obviously they're without their top 
pass catching option. Um, they love their tight ends, obviously at Iowa, they're going to be turning, um, the reins of that position over to Eric all who is still a very capable tight end in his own right. But I think that Iowa's is really going to be looking to, um, run the ball a lot to ride the hot hand of LaShawn Williams. Uh, Cade McNamara has been perfect. He's thrown a couple of interceptions. His passing numbers haven't been great, even outside of the turnovers and stuff. So I, uh, so I think as long as Penn state's able to just be mindful of that and counter that effectively, it's going to be tough for Iowa to, uh, really move the ball here. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I did think I did, I did think about taking the 13 and a half under, Thought highly about it, but at the end of the day, um, I did have Iowa just going over. So I do have Iowa taking the over for her points. Cool. All right. Moving on to the offense. Uh, is the offense over or under 200 rush yards? I'm going to be optimistic and say over. Uh, this is this is a tough defense. Um, they really, I mean, I want to see what the stat on this is, but I think they only let up something like 150 rushing yards per game, maybe like even down to like 130 uh, on average so far this season. So I, um, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I think it's going to be a tall task. Like this is a really good defense, but um, as I've been all season long, I, you know, I believe that this offensive line and this running game is going to hit its stride. Like we saw it happen in the later portions of uh last season it's really only a matter of time so what better time to kind of put all those pieces in place than the night game whiteout so uh, like i said i'm gonna be optimistic I'll, I'll take the over yeah um this is one i really struggle with i i think that um especially early i think you're gonna see penn state maybe struggle a little bit to get going with the run game but then as the game goes on and you know iowa's defense is on the field for a really long time and, you know, the offense is getting a lot of three and outs. I think you can start to see Penn State wear them down. And then maybe Nick Singleton breaks off a, you know, 40 or 50 yard run. I could really well see that happening. So it, it depends. Do we get that big run or not? We've only seen two 20 plus yard runs from Nick this year so far. So, you know, the offensive line has to do a little bit better. That way he gets those those opportunities. And um, will this uh, Iowa game against a tough Iowa defense be the first one? I don't know, but. Uh, you know, I'm going to be optimistic. I'll, I'll take the over. And I think uh, a big run from Nick Singleton can help us get there. Good stuff. All right. Moving on to passing yards over or under 200 passing yards for Drew Aller. I'll take the over. Um, I don't think there's going to be a ton of explosive plays that gets us there, but I think Drew's going to settle in again. I think that he's going to be finding his guys downfield. Uh, he's going to, I think he's going to have to do a lot of it on the run, but he's shown that he can do that as well. So as long as, as long as the receivers are creating the separation, Drew's going to find him. So give me the over. Yeah. Uh, Drew moves really well within the pocket. And um, even when he goes out of the pocket, his eyes are always down the field and that buys time for your receivers to move and get open. Iowa's corners. They're, they're good, but they can't guard you forever. Like they're not going to guard you for seven seconds. So um, I do like our wide receivers to get open, especially with the Drew's ability to really scramble and keep his eyes down the field. I also think while there's not going to be tons of explosive plays, I, I think Drew is able going to be able to efficiently run the offense and kind of methodically uh, march them down the field and keep on moving the chain. So I'll take the over there. Cool. 
All right, moving on to the defense. Um, over or under 150 rushing yards for the Iowa Hawkeyes. So they struggled against Iowa State, but had 250 against Western Michigan. What are you thinking? Yeah, so I think I'm going to take the over here, unfortunately. I think that Iowa, that it's just going to be a, a volume game for them. Like they're going to be running the ball so much. Penn State hasn't been perfect in defending the run so far this season. So, I am thinking that uh, we're looking at like 180 to 200 yards for them on mm-hmm. the ground. Um, you know, how how often that translates into points for them. Um, I don't think it's going to be that much, but I just think that they're going to have enough drives where their, their sole focus is going to be running the ball that I think once the dust settles, you'll see them over that 150 mark. Yeah, I think so too. Um yeah, I think I think there's a good opportunity for them to go over. I do think the Penn State defense is going to do a good job holding them to field goals in this game. Uh, but just based off of what I've seen, that's kind of what the Penn State defense has been over the past couple of years. They typically bend but don't break, and I, I think we'll see a lot of that uh, in this game. And I, but I think they'll be able to force Iowa to settle for field goals in the red zone. All right, moving on to the pass defense. Um, over or under 120 pass yards for Caden under. McNamara. Under. <laughs> the secondary is full of superstars, man. And uh, night game, atmosphere, um, top receiving target uh, is not going to be with the team. Um, yeah, give me give me the under. You know what? I'll, I'll take the under, too. I, I really like our secondary, and I think I was just going to try to not throw the ball a lot, so... Uh, give me, give me the under. All right. Um, all right. Penn state taking care of the football, zero turnovers on the season. Do they keep the streak going over or under one and a half turnovers for the offense? I'll take, I'll take the under, but I, I think they cough the ball up once this defense is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they fly to the ball. They've created a couple of their own turnovers already this season, uh, forced a couple of fumbles. So, you know, it, it's just like one of those deals where a defense is just so good that you can only hold them back for so long. You know, they're going to find uh, one crease here and there, and I think that they're they're going to knock the ball out uh, once. I don't think this isn't going to be a turnover, uh, you know, heavy performance, but I just, I just feel like, you know, not, not that I want to say like they're due for one, but you know, all good things must come to an end eventually. <laughs> and uh, a lot of cases in, in, for something like this, it's usually because of a really good defense. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. Uh, I'll, I'll take the uh, the under. I think one turnover will happen. All good things come to an end. You're going against a really tough Iowa defense. So I think they're going to be able to force at least uh, one turnover, maybe two. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. All right, moving on to our defense in the turnover battle. Takeaways. Uh, over or under one and a half. I'll take the over. Cade McNamara, I think he threw, what was it, like three interceptions in the game against Western Michigan? Uh, two. It was two. All right. Either way, uh, you know, he's he's put the ball in danger. Penn State has shown that when a quarterback is, when he's one under pressure and two, throwing the ball into danger, Penn State is opportunistic in taking the ball away. Um, the corners are in great position to, and uh, in a great spot of leverage to take the ball away in those situations. And 
I kind of expect this to kind of continue that trend. So I'll take the over. Yeah, I'll take the over too. I think uh, Iowa will at some point in the game start to fall behind, be forced to pass and kind of forcing things. And when you force things, that's when turnovers happen. So give me the over for that. Yep. All right, moving on to the pass rush. Uh, over or under two and a half sacks? I'll take the over. I'm going to be optimistic. Um, he took a couple of sacks during this last game. Um, he's averaging two sacks taken per game so far this season. Uh, this this Penn, Penn State D-line uh, should be the best D-line that they've faced all season, even though West, or excuse me, uh, even though Iowa does have a you know a very experienced offensive line, um, I think the speed on the edges, um, as well as like the constant threat of Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter and Kevin Winston Jr. and J- Jalen Reed and others like coming in on these quote unquote exotic blitz packages. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, give me give me the over. I think I might take the the under. I think Iowa's going to run the ball a lot. Our, our pass rush hasn't gotten a a ton of sacks this year. Uh, But coach kind of mentioned this in the presser. Um, You know, you either get a lot of sacks or a lot of like interceptions or fumbles turnovers. So I I think you're going to see a lot of pressure, but I don't think it's necessarily going to manifest in in a ton of sacks. I think they'll get two, um, you know, maybe later in the game when no one's open. But I think for the most part, uh, Cade knows that, this is a, a really good pass rush. And I think with his experience, he's going to know to get rid of the football. And also I think I was going to run a lot. So. All right. All right. Moving on to the offensive line over or under two and a half sacks against a solid, uh, or I would say even maybe elite defense in the Hawkeyes. Yeah. So I'm going to take the over here. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, the offensive line they can't win all of them. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be uh, some times where um, maybe it's even something as simple as like a coverage sack or something like that, because uh, like the line can't hold forever. Um, they've been pretty good about getting sacks so far this season. Um, you know, even though I'm really hopeful for a consistently solid performance across the offensive line, they're not going to win them 10 out of 10. So um, I'm unfortunately going to take the over. But uh, I really hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I think I'll I'll go with the under. I think you'll see two. Um, I feel like after you know the first couple happen, I think you might see Penn State adjust their game plan, whether it's um, keeping the extra tight end tight end in for blocking, or maybe a running back instead of uh, you know going out, they'll stay in the chip. So I think you'll see see some adjustments uh, should the sack start to come. So. Um, I'll, I'll stay with two. Cool. All right. Moving on to factor fiction. Penn. St- All right. So Penn state has the, uh, the most consecutive games with at least 30 points. So factor fiction, <laughs> Penn state will score at least 30 points against the Hawkeyes. Keep that streak going. Oh man. Putting me on the spot. Um, I think that this is going to be a pretty low scoring affair. So unfortunately I'm going to say fiction. I'm going to disagree with you there. Uh, I'm the optimist one, optimistic one today. I'm going to take the over. Penn State will score at least 30 points. It's the whiteout. Good things are going to happen for, for Penn State. So give me the uh, give me fact on that one. Cool. All right. Fact or fiction. 
the Penn State defense will continue giving up zero points in the third quarter. Yeah, I'll I'll take I'll take facts here. Um, I think that this is going to be a game. Like I said, I think it's going to be ugly at times. I think it's going to be just kind of a tug of war at times. And I think that there's going to be some quarters in this game, at least one where neither team scores any points. So I'll take fact here. You know, I'm going to go with fact too. Uh, it is really tough, but you know, I think the the first half is going to be very competitive and it's going to be very close. I do think in the, the second half, however, I think Penn State is going to make adjustments. I think they'll eventually start to, you know, wear on the, the Iowa defense after being on the field for so long. So I'll say fact as well. I think cool. they'll really get things rolling in the third quarter like they have been. Yeah, love to see it. All right. Fact or fiction. Penn State gets on track for explosive plays versus a tough Iowa defense. Mm, unfortunately, I'm going to say fiction here. I think this is just going to be such a, you know, put your hands in the dirt and grind it out type of game uh, by both teams. So it's really going to just come down to, you know, who's doing better in the trenches, like for the entire game. Uh, combine that with the fact that there is a chance for rain. Um, and uh, like the fact that like the explosive plays weren't there. And granted, I mean, that was in an away atmosphere and stuff like that. I just don't like it. If 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 we were coming home against like UMass, you know, in this sort of situation, mm-hmm. I'd say fact all the way. But I think that Iowa's defense is very good. I think Kirk Ferentz is uh, very experienced, um, and so he's going to be looking to limit those types of opportunities because he knows that's when like everything is working for Penn State. So I'm unfortunately going to say fiction. Yeah, I'm going to say fiction as well. At least for the the mo- majority of the game. I think uh, if Penn State uh, starts to pull away, I think you might see Iowa getting a little bit sloppy towards the end, and maybe you see some of those explosive plays. Uh, but for the most part, I'm, I'm going to say fiction. All right, fact or fiction? Penn State cleans up the penalties from last game. Fact. I, uh, you know, it just takes one game, a couple of uh, post-game meetings to just kind of say, all right, listen, like, we got, we got to clean these things up because like we got away with it this time, but you know, we're playing against Ohio state and Michigan, like that kind of stuff is going to be a backbreaker. So I think, uh, I'm going to say fact because, um, my heart can't take two weeks of that <laughs> in a row. Yeah. I'm going to say fact as well. Uh, you know, coach Franklin does a good job in my opinion of holding the players accountable. Uh, so I think they'll clean things up and really understand what, what the moment entails. Uh, things are starting to get real for Penn State football, and you got your first-ranked opponent at home, night game. You can't afford to be making mistakes. So I'll take yep. uh, I'll take fact on that one. Yep. All right. Um, fact or fiction, Penn State has zero turnovers. Keeps the streak going. Uh, I mean, we did say, you know, in over-unders, I think that Penn State is going to turn the ball over um, just because – Iowa's a very good defense. They have forced some uh, turnovers on their end already this season. Um, so I, I, you know, it's just it's impossible to expect Penn State to keep this streak running forever. So if it's gonna if it's gonna end, it's probably gonna end at the hands of a really good defense. So I'm unfortunately again gonna say fiction. All right, all right. Fact or fiction? One of our honorary captains is uh, Trace McSorley. Uh, he famously wore number nine. We also have a number nine. 
Will we see Bo Perbola in in the game against Iowa? Yeah, you'll see him for a couple minutes uh, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'll, I'll say fact as well. So I think we'll see a little bit of Bo. All right. The other captain is uh, Grant Haley. Mm-hmm. So do we see a blocked field goal attempt? Fact or fiction? We see a blocked field goal attempt. Attempt? Or, or sorry, block field goal. Block. Yeah, they're they're going to attempt to block it every time. I'm. <laughs> yeah. Do we uh, see a blocked field goal and potentially a, another block six? Hmm. Yeah. What the hell? I'll say. I'll say. I'll say fact. Like you know, Penn State uh, hasn't blocked a punt or a kick yet. You know. So yeah, why not? Let's have some fun yeah. with it. We'll say fact. Yeah, I'm going to be optimistic. Fact. Uh, you know, Penn. I think uh, Iowa's going to be kicking a lot of field goals maybe some long ones and that can create a, a good opportunity for a block. So give me a block. Maybe I'll have to make a block six. One of my communion predictions at the, uh, the tailgate. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Uh, factor fiction Beaver stadium forces at least four false starts. Oof, man, that's tough. Um, I'm going to say fiction. I think that the crowd's good for two four is a lot. Uh, you know, and, I mean, so much of that is going to depend on Cade too. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? I feel like the, you know, the very, like the level of variance of where this number could actually end up is like so wildly in opposite directions. Like it could be up as high as like six or it could be one, you know, it. So mm-hmm. I think either one is like as likely as the other one. Uh, but I think, you know, I'll just kind of be conservative. So I'll say fiction. Yeah. You know what? Iowa hasn't seen an environment like this in a very long time. Give me that is true. And also, um, wasn't or was it Connor McNamara who was quarterback at Michigan when we had the false start on the first play of the game? No, 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 no. So that was I think it was it was Patterson. Patterson. Okay. Yeah, I think because I know what I know the the scene that you're talking about. You're talking about what was that? 2018. Yeah. No, and, 20, 2019. And uh, they had to call a timeout on the very yeah. first play. Yeah. yeah, they called a timeout in the first play. So, hey, you never know. Yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> Those Michigan quarterbacks can really struggle with the noise. So, <laughs> all right. Last factor fiction. It's going to be a fun one. All right. Will we see the squirrel on the field in this game? <laughs> Fact, he's got to make his appearance, man. He's got to <laughs> like get his time to shine and uh, go show the folks what he's made of. Fact. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say fact as well. The the squirrel's gonna come out for the big game. Uh, give me the squirrel. I'll I'll say fact. Um, cool. And actually, I think your your dad was saying this. Uh, in, in that game, I think that squirrel was like crawling by like under Steph's seat, and yeah, I think like some guy next to him like threw the squirrel. And then like the squirrel went like under the West Virginia band and then eventually made its way onto the field and like ran to the 40 yard line or something, which is better than West Virginia's offense did for most of the night. So why <laughs> <laughs> got to watch out for the squirrel. That's, That's right. Coach is going to be putting that in the film room. <laughs> All right. Moving on to communion predictions. Uh, your, what's your communion prediction for this game? Yeah, so like we've been talking about a little bit here already, I think that this is going to be a tight end heavy game, um, you know, in both the in the rushing attack as well as the passing attack. I think that uh, 
you know, Drew is going to need to lean on them a little bit, um, especially if things start to break down, uh, you know, pass protection. Yep, exactly. So I'm predicting that both of our tight end ones, as I am affectionately calling them, in Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, uh, both score a touchdown in this game. That's a good prediction. And uh, since you went with tight ends, I'm going to I'm going to change mine. I'm okay. going to say that the secondary holds Cade McNamara under 100 passing yards for the day. Wow. All right. Cool. All right. So um, those are some big things. Uh, final score prediction. What do you have for this one? Yeah. So I like I said before, I think that this is going to be this is going to be um, you know, kind of like a rough and tough game, like both teams just trying to control the line of scrimmage. I think it's going to be a pretty low scoring affair. Uh, I think Iowa is going to try and force Penn state to play the game that they want to play. And they've been pretty successful in doing so, um, you know, over the last handful of times that they've played them. Uh, so I think that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Penn State has the advantage, though, in terms of the overall talent. Uh, they ha- they obviously have the home field advantage, the occasion of the whiteout, the crowd. Um, they've got all these things working in their favor. So I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Penn State is going to win this game. Unfortunately, they're not going to cover, but I got Penn State winning 28 to 17. All right. So rare occasion where I'm the optimist. Um, so I'll make this an, a bonus communion prediction. So okay. not only is Penn state going to cover the spread, they're going to double the spread of 14 and a half points. So, um, I think it's going to be very close early, but I do think in the second half, you're just going to see that the talent of Penn state pull away <laughs> similarly to, uh, West Virginia. So for my final score prediction, I have Penn state. 45, Iowa, 16. All right. So I'm the optimist here. I was right last week. Let's see if I can. Let's see if lightning can strike twice. Let's see if I'm right twice. Yeah, why not? Yeah. (laughs) All right. So any other college football games you're excited to watch maybe before when we're tailgating or uh, maybe some that are going on at the same time as our game this week? Ohio State, Notre Dame, dude. Like that's a that's a big one. Um, Ohio State looks like Ohio state again. Uh, and, uh, Notre Dame has just been kind of cruising so far. They look like a kind of a revitalized team, uh, with a transfer quarterback, seemingly putting all the pieces together. Um, see if, uh, Kyle McCord can kind of carry that momentum over into this game. Uh, so I, I think this is going to be, this is going to be a really good one. Yeah, I think so too. I'm really excited for that one. Is game day there? I would imagine they have to be right. Yeah, they had, they would have to be. That's such a big matchup, but, um, it, you know, Notre Dame on the schedule. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would expect that to be college game day, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, they finished the year very strong after that. Oh, and two start. Uh, so I think they're a really talented squad and, you know, at home against Ohio state, I think is going to be really interesting and maybe they make, uh, Ohio state look human for us. And, Maybe they can give it, give us some ideas to you know beat them and maybe exploit some weaknesses uh, on the defense. So maybe that'll help Penn State out. I've I've heard some uh, criticisms of uh, uh, Kyle McCord. I've heard people say, "Oh, he's not C.J. Stroud." Where uh, Ohio State seems to be a university where the backup is like always better than the starter. 
So mm-hmm. that's a little surprising to hear um, some analysts say those things. So I am very interested to see how he does in his first really big matchup of the season. Uh, some other games in the early slate, I think Florida State at Clemson uh, noon kickoff. I think that's going to be an interesting early game. You saw Florida State really struggle against Boston College. They won by two points despite Boston College committing 18 penalties. So that was a big surprise. I think uh, Colorado, Oregon is going to be a, a big time matchup. Um, you know, Coach Prime really hasn't played a, a legitimate team yet. Uh, yeah, TCU is the defending champions, but I feel like it's a little fluky how they they got there. Um, you know, the Big Twelve is not the the best conference, and and they lost the title game by like sixty points. So. Yeah, and they got wrecked in the title game. So we'll we'll see. I mean, this is a really good test if they can win and. And Autzen, um, you know, that shows you Colorado's legit, uh, despite yep. almost blowing uh blowing it at home to Colorado State, um, you know, after all the trash talk between the the two schools. So I think that'll be a good one. Um Ole Miss at Alabama, another three thirty kickoff. I think this yep. one's gonna be good. Ole Miss has looked really good in their early games. You had Bama really looking inferior to Texas. They struggled the following week at uh USF University of South Florida. They only won 17 to three. Uh, yeah, they are back home, but you know, Ole Miss, they hate Bama. Uh, it's a border war. Maybe they see Bama looking a little weak and maybe they can go in there and take advantage. Um, Bama doesn't lose at home twice very often. So, um, we really, uh, really interesting to see, uh, if that is a, is a possibility. Yeah. Then, then and the- one interesting thing. Oh, sorry. Um, just wanted to throw in there. One interesting thing about this matchup, too, is that, um, you know, per game, the offensive line for Alabama is letting up a high number of sacks, um, you know, com- compared to the rest of uh, FBS and especially against uh, what they're kind of used to experiencing uh, from from squads past. And conversely. Ole Miss right now is getting just a just a crap ton of sacks. So I think Jalen Milrow um, is going to have his work cut out for him. Um, they're going to really be testing his legs and his ability to throw on the run. So I think that's really going to be the the matchup that decides the game. Yeah, I've I've been hearing some people call compare Jalen Milrow to uh, Jalen Hurts, and it is not close. Um, <laughs> when I saw a game against Texas, so many inaccurate passes. Yeah, he's a great runner. Like I, I think running wise, he's as good as Jalen. But um, the the throws so inaccurate. Um, yeah. So the, the comparison, I'm like, no, get out of here. <laughs> Not yet. Maybe he'll get better. You know, that's always a possibility. But for right now, I'm I'm gonna say no. Here's an idea. The, Alabama just needs to adopt the the tush push, and then everything will be fine. That's they'll all they win. gotta do. Yeah, they just they just gotta do that, and then they'll win every single one of their games afterwards. There you go. Utilize that tush push. Uh, in the Pac-12, you got UCLA at Utah. Both teams three and zero. Both team both teams are ranked. So we'll see if Chip Kelly can get uh, a win in Utah. That'll be a good matchup. Another one. Some undefeated. Oregon State at Washington State. Two undefeated. Both ranked too. Both ranked. So I think that'll be a good one. You got um, Ohio State, Notre Dame, of course, that we talked about. And then um, another one here. Uh, I, 
I think I'm going to say it just because uh, I think it's something we need to cover. Uh, UNC at Pitt. So we'll see <laughs> how um, Drake May in a real offense uh, handle the Pitt Panthers in, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so That's right. Andrew, for, for fans who didn't hear, uh, or maybe I've lived under a rock. You want to talk about that a little bit? Oh man. Yeah. So we covered this, uh, during the off season, um, because somebody had asked Pat Narduzzi about the transfer quarterback, Christian Bayou, who of course, um, started his college career at Penn state, uh, decided to transfer after Drew's freshman year where he, um, was placed third on the depth chart. So transferred away to go find playing opportunities, like, you know, completely understandable, like no hard feelings, stuff like that. And so Pat though, took the opportunity to say, well, everything is basically brand new for him right now, which is not a crazy thing to say about your, your incoming transfer quarterback, because of course everything would be new. He then proceeded to say that he was coming from quote, a one word offense to a real offense and (laughs) proceeded to try and backtrack the hell out of that statement by saying that he meant no disrespect to Penn state and their offensive philosophies, yada, 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 and stuff like that. So fast forward. Now we are, um, we're three weeks through in the college football season. Pitt is one and two. They lost their two most recent games against Cincinnati. And then they lost the backyard brawl against West Virginia, scoring only six points and, uh, starting quarterback Phil Dracovich, who I, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, um, has just been kind of laid out to dry by the pit fans, um, on social media. I mean, honestly, I kind of feel bad for the kid because like everybody is basically saying that if Narduzzi doesn't bench Dracovich in favor of Veyu, he should essentially be fired. So, uh, Pitt Panthers fans are really charged up about the quarterback situation that's happening right now. Um, I've seen a couple of accusations that say that he doesn't want to put Christian in because he, he transferred from Penn state and stuff like that. And I mean, whether there's like, you know, any water to those like sorts of theories, you know, it's probably not true, but I mean, it's, uh, but it's just kind of funny how we keep talking about this idea of karma and, like how all these things are kind of manifesting themselves. And he's talking about how he has this, you know, dynamic and like um, really efficient and effective real offense. And it can barely put up any points against, <laughs> against teams that Penn state scored several points against. Yeah. And uh, you know, Duquesne even put up more points against West Virginia <laughs> in the first quarter. Yeah. In the first in quarter. A single quarter. Yeah. So, like I said, I mean, I, I feel bad for the starting quarterback because, I mean, all, all that guy wanted to do was, like, transfer to, like, be closer to home. Um, I'm pretty sure he's, like, a PA guy, maybe a whippy old guy. I don't – I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that. But, um, yeah, the guy, like, transferred in, like, to be the starter for Pitt. And, like, he – you know, he, he will be the first to admit that he's not having his best performances. And, oh, man, is he just getting flamed. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe uh, we'll see some Christian value. Maybe they can steal some plays from the Penn State one-word offense, and uh, maybe Pitt will be able to score some more points. Yeah, maybe. And turn their season around. Yeah, because, <laughs> uh, man, yeah, like a, a one-and-three start, like 
after winning the ACC title a couple of years ago, not a good look. Not a good look. Uh, but it's again, it's a thing. Pat Narduzzi just seems to do it to himself. And, you know, it's, Pitt's going to be Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll we'll also talk a little bit about our uh, Big Ten slate. A couple of interesting matchups there. You got Wisconsin at Purdue. So Wisconsin's 2-1 and one after uh, dropping a game at uh, Washington State. Purdue, a little bit of a slow start, one and two start. They lost to uh, Fresno State at home. Um, so that'll be a good matchup. Um, interesting matchups of two undefeateds. You had Michigan at 3-0 at home versus Rutgers. Rutgers is off to a, a good start. It's not very often we say Rutgers is 3-0. So uh, maybe That's Greg Schiano is doing some things there and making some good improvements. Uh, Nebraska's playing Louisiana Tech. They're 1-2, and two, so hopefully they can turn things around. Uh, Maryland 3-0 and um, heading into East Lansing at Michigan State. Uh, who's two and one after uh, you know kind of getting pummeled by by Washington? Washington looks pretty good. Indiana's playing the Zips of Akron, and then uh, you got Minnesota at Northwestern. Uh, that could be interesting. I'm sure that's that'll be a defensive struggle. And then you know, like we discussed, Ohio State at Notre Dame. Uh, man, I wish I could be two places at once, man, in the stadium and watching that game. I'm sure they'll be giving us updates uh, if Ohio State's losing. <laughs> in the stadium and you'll get some reactions from the crowd. So uh, a lot of good football this week. Last week we were like, meh, it's a little slow, but uh, you know, we're hitting that point in the football season where things are starting to pick up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Rebounding in a big way. And another thing too, uh, a little bit of intrigue with that Michigan state and Maryland matchup uh, just announced, what was it yesterday that Michigan state was, or they did make the decision um, to fire coach Mel Tucker for cause. So, you know, the kind of disarray and crazy things that have been happening ever since like the off season, when a couple of their top offensive players decided to transfer out of the program, um, has really spiraled in a big way. Uh, so I, you know, I think it'll be kind of interesting to see how this affects, um, the rest of their season, because now you, you have the situation where it's, uh, the interim. Um, I don't, know what kind of impact this has on like transferability for players i think like if the coach gets fired in a situation like this it kind of opens up a transfer window for the players to basically go wherever they want so i think things are things are definitely more interesting than like just a matchup with uh what is it undefeated maryland right now like there's there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things going on in that program yeah, so you might even see Michigan State kind of starting to fall below that, uh, you know, Maryland and Rutgers level, which is, uh, you know, not good for their program because they're usually usually up there. Not not always with the Ohio State and, and Michigan, but you know, they're usually a respectable opponent. And uh, who knows? Maybe they'll give us less problems this year. So might be <laughs> good for might be good for the Lions. Yeah, there they go. But yeah, bummer, bummer. Uh, how that how that played out for them. Um, so uh, do you want to cover some? other Penn state sports before we wrap things up. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, should we start with wrestling? Oh yes. We had some, uh, you want to tell the listeners about some Nittany line alumni who are world champions? Yeah. Yeah. Big news. Um, from the last couple of days. So the world championships of wrestling were held in Belgrade, Serbia. Um, the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club and, you know, especially Penn State, uh, as you know, the standalone program had 
pretty good representation and um two of its own came away with gold medals uh started off with uh zane rutherford and uh followed up quickly by david taylor both uh multi-time national championship winners at penn state just absolute hammers of college wrestlers uh some of the best to ever do it um david taylor especially you know really kind of solidifying himself as like literally one of the best in any weight class in the world um following up his uh his gold medal that he secured in the olympics a couple of years ago uh he's going to be looking to repeat um what's really interesting too about their individual titles is that they won them against uh iranian brothers the yazdani brothers who are very well known in the world of wrestling, like to the point where just a casual like me like knows about who they are. And I was trying to think of like a good comparison to kind of give people the perspective of like how good these guys are. Like these are both like world-class wrestlers in of themselves. And the Yasnani brother that uh, David wrestled, especially he like ran that weight class. Like nobody could touch him like at the world championships. Uh, I'm pretty sure he had won like a couple of like gold medals in the Olympics. And then David came along and uh, has like kind of supplanted him a little bit. But the way that I would like kind of compare these guys to other athletes that more Americans might know, they're like the, the Bosa brothers of wrestling, like wow. they're both just amazing. So yeah, the, that was, that was huge. Um, you know, it'd be really awesome to see, both of those guys uh, wrestling for Team USA in the in the Olympics. Um, I don't know how the qualifying of that works, but I got to think that winning you know gold at world at the World Championships definitely puts you in some solid uh, contention. Yeah, and the trials are actually in Happy Valley in in April, so I think it's oh, nice. a couple of weeks okay. after Blue White Weekend, they're they're going to be here. So so if you're a wrestling fan, you know, swing by Happy Valley, go to the BJC, have a great time, uh, you know, see some wrestling. Somebody on Twitter said that State College is the best wrestling city in the world. And at this point, I don't know how you can really refute that. You've got multiple world champions, um, tons of wildly successful college wrestlers, all under one roof in the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy, like just how much of a like just mecca of wrestling that Kale Sanderson has built like yeah it in, really is, is, is becoming mecca i think like even like bo nickel trains here for like ufc and stuff so like yeah a lot of uh you know you know wrestling you know, mixed martial what's arts crazy too is that like yeah um bo obviously um he decided to go more in the ufc route and stuff like that he won more national titles than david taylor did and david wow. taylor is a yeah he's a multi-time world champion like that's how deep this like program and its history is over the past like 10 to 15 years. Like that's how good they've been. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just insane to think like the level, the level of talent that they've got there. I think it's like more insane that he doesn't have a burger at like the field. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if he, if he asked, he probably could get one. Yeah. We'll have to get the, the Sanderson burger or yeah. San, um, yeah. Sanderson burger. All right. So we'll move on to some other, uh, you know, Penn State sports. Uh, wrestling always sets the gold standard, and hope we just hope the rest of our athletic programs can like reach that level. Uh, you know, wrestling's awesome, but uh, you know, field hockey got back on the winning track after dropping one. They had a close one against Bucknell. They won two to one. Uh, we also had uh, men's soccer. This actually happened this evening when I was riding my bike home. 
uh, for my group ride. I actually swung by Jeffrey Field, checked the score. It's zero zero. So I ride my bike to, you know, to go home because I got to eat dinner before we recorded and I hear big cheers. So I, I figured that was a goal and Penn State won one nothing versus Maryland. So, of course, the moment I leave, they go score the goal. But um, I must yeah. be must be good luck. You know, when I show up, they score. So, uh, you know, good things there. Women's volleyball is going to be home on Wednesday versus Rutgers. That'll be at 6 p.m. Uh, in Rack Hall. You also got women's soccer uh, Thursday. They'll be in Piscataway, 7 p.m. at Rutgers. Uh, women's ice hockey, believe it or not, is starting up. Uh, they'll be playing at 3 p.m. at uh, Northeastern, so same day as the whiteout. And then we have men's soccer that same day. They'll be at UNC Greensboro. Got the football game. And then we got field hockey the following day. Uh, so if you wake up, let's say you're in the RV lots and you want to catch a field hockey game before you go home, they'll be playing Syracuse uh, at noon. Women's soccer will be playing, uh, you know, Sunday as well in Jeffrey Field, 1 p.m. versus Nebraska. Uh, also on Sunday, they'll be at Northeastern, number five Northeastern for ice hockey. Kind of crazy how how early their season starts. I, I'm not even thinking about hockey yet. So I know, they, yeah, they start, they start their season early. Uh, women's volleyball is playing uh, Sunday at Northwestern at 2 p.m. So that'll be a big matchup. Big Ten's always really competitive in volleyball. So um, that's that's our, our matchup. A lot of sporting events going on. Should be really exciting. A lot of things happening in the Valley. So if you're in the Valley uh, this week, make sure you check them out. Yep. Sounds like uh, just a prime whiteout weekend. Prime whiteout weekend. Uh, anything else you want to cover before we put a bow on it? Nah, man. Just go state. Can't wait. Going to be tailgating all day. Plenty of delicious food. Uh, good beer, good times, and plenty of communion. So just can't freaking wait. Yeah, same here. Uh, definitely feel blessed when you get a weekend like that, uh, that you can just, you know, enjoy some football, some good food, good friends, and, you know, the best atmosphere in college football. So really, really doesn't get any better than that. So yeah, just to uh, do some housekeeping here, uh, you can check out our website at nittanyblues.com. You can listen to all of our previous episodes there, learn a little bit more about the show. Um, and you can also check out our merch at shop.nittanyblues.com. Uh, we have some really cool and unique designs that we're really proud of. Uh, so go and check those out. We are still running a campaign through the end of September. Uh, that is 23 season 10 to get 10% off your entire order. So go and check that out. Uh, while that promo is still running. Other than that, you can catch us on all forms of social media at Nittany Blues or the Nittany Blues podcast. But other than that, Vince, uh, take us home. Yeah. If you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star review so other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes? You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. We'll see you next time.